You're listening to Athlete Diaries on Over the Top Cycling, and it's my very great pleasure to be sitting here with Dave Toll. Thank you very much, Dave, for joining us. My pleasure, George. So I have heard your voice. I have heard so much about you. It is a real pleasure to finally get to meet you. Yeah, thanks, man. You know, uh, the cycling community is amazing, isn't it? Uh, so we're here at Indian Peaks on a beautiful day in Netherlands. I just had the best half hour uh, I've had in a long time, just being around the people that make the sport so cool. And it shows in your announcing. I mean, your enthusiasm is so real when you're behind the mic. You're excited. I mean, I've seen you call so many events. Your excitement for the event, but your excitement when uh, you were calling the groups to start. Uh-huh. I mean, it was just amazing to watch you do this. Do you think that they notice the riders? Absolutely. Yeah, good. Because that's what I'm trying to do. I mean, uh, or not trying to do. That's organically who I am. I just love it. You know, I've, I've paid attention. I, you know, I've been involved in the sport. You know, because of the whole breaking away uh, reunion thing happening now, I think a lot of people are looking back and thinking, like, where was I in 79? You know, why did I, uh, why did I ever get into this sport? What happened? And it was, it was becoming a part of a community that I wasn't a part of before I got involved in cycling. And I love it. I mean, I really love it. Now, you're from Boulder. Yep. And Boulder's seen as a cycling hub. It was cycling something that you were always interested in? Well, you know, the thing for me was that I grew up in uh, the Table Mesa part of Boulder, and Michael Eisner and the Coors Classic was happening when I was a kid. It was the Red Zinger, uh, and then in 80, it turned into the Coors. But at that point, 80 is a little early for me. Uh, I remember my dad uh, taking me to North Boulder Park in 78, uh, 79, and going and watching the Zinger there. But... Uh, uh, ultimately, it was when uh, we discovered that uh, Michael Eisner lived in our neighborhood. Um, oh, really? Yeah, yeah. And so, like, just on Lehigh, the whole Coors Classic thing all happened right there, the uh, Bear Creek uh, area up there. So when when we realized who he was and what he was doing, uh, the, the neighborhood kids swarmed on his place, uh, and we took over his basement. And as they were running that race, we were, uh, you know, just, I guess the best way to put it is we were actively involved in trying to help and connecting, and that's what, that's what it ultimately became was uh, uh, you meet people from around the world, and you get to travel to cool places, and uh, there's nothing about a bicycle that's not good, and that's what we learned. What is it about Boulder, though, that made cycling really catch on here? Well, you know, it's funny. I mean, that's a great question. The reason that my family moved to Boulder was because my dad was a geophysicist and he got a job with uh, the USGS in Golden, and we didn't want to live in, or they didn't want to live in Golden, so we moved to Boulder. So it had nothing to do with the athletic community. But then in the, in the early 70s, it started when you had guys like uh, Rob DiCostella, and uh, so there was the marathon running community, the climbing community, and the cycling community. They all decided that Boulder was going to be the epicenter. Uh, its uh, altitude is good. Uh, birds of a feather like to flock together. So if you need training partners, and then you build off of that, George. Like so, then uh, guys like Neil Henderson, like the sports physiologist, they then are in that community. So if you have a hurt knee or a hurt ankle, well, the best guys in America to work with are in Boulder. So that is the best dietitians, the best coaches. All of the best, uh, now this is where 
you know, bolder uh, people can be a little over the top, right? Over the top. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and, but, but I think that, the, to be fair, there's a reason why uh, Boulder's awesome. And it's because of the people that live there. And it's beautiful. <laughs> it's really nice. But. Let's go back to the Coors Classic days. I kind of enjoy bouncing around with my questions. Um, did you become interested in becoming a bike racer when you saw the Coors Classic going I did. On? Absolutely. Um, well, we were lucky enough to have the Red Zinger Mini Classic going on, which was really small when I uh, when I was 15. I think that there were maybe 20 kids that raced total, uh, and it grew a lot. I mean, it, it logarithmically grew uh, to the fact that I think two years later there were 500 kids racing in all the different categories. But we were so lucky that the Sandgold family at that point decided to put on a bike race for kids. It didn't really exist then. You know, I don't remember there being junior racing uh, until I, I did the Zinger and then, you know, got my license and started racing. And, and went and did stuff like Bisbee and, you know, there really wasn't a national scene. There still isn't, that, you know, for junior right. racers, you know. You kind of pick and choose where you're going to go. And, uh, I, I, I mean, so imagine this. You're a kid that gets into, into cycling. Uh, your neighbor runs the biggest bike race in North America. <laughs> and uh, the guy a mile away decides to put on a bike race for kids. A lot of work. And, but yet, that all happened for me. So I was pretty pretty lucky. You've got Finney and Kiefel yep. and the Stetnas. I mean, it's like the gods of your sport yep. are right here. And what's crazy when you're young. And and those guys were all. And that's the great thing about cycling. And I I hear people say it, but they've always been accessible. Um, yes. Uh, Davis Finney or Connie Carpenter or Ron Kiefel, they're just regular people who happen to be extremely talented in, in what they do. But at the end of the day, just good people, good folk. Yeah, it's funny, because we were talking to Keel and Lucas yesterday. I would put before, them in that same group. And they're exactly in that group. Mm -hmm. Yep. Very much so. Keel Reinen does not think that he's God's gift to this world. You know, he Keel's just, just a, a solid dude. He's a great guy. Yep, yep. You know, he's got a lot of other interests outside of cycling. Uh, Keel Keel's a carpenter. Uh, he's, he smokes uh, meat. Uh, like there's a lot of things that Keel does uh, that aren't have nothing to do with bike racing, and that makes him a better bike racer. I think is the fact that he's not so focused on just one thing. Uh, the Tanner Potts Tanner deserves that too. You know, uh, these are well-rounded, well-rounded human beings. Very much so. Mm -hmm. You're listening to Athlete Diaries on Over the Top Cycling. We are outdoors in Netherlands at the Indian Peaks Classic. We're visiting with Dave Toll. So Dave, when did you realize that announcing was something that you could do and do well? Well, you know, I <laughs> well, I, I would say that I am just realizing that now. <laughs> um, uh, when I started, I, it was anything, it was ugly. It was hard. Uh, I, I was doing a thing called Saturn Cyberbike. It was a virtual reality bike race that we would take to auto shows. And I got hired, uh, I'd, so I'd never done it. I have a public speaking phobia. Like, I, I don't really? like, but, well, I can do it now. Okay. I mean, I, we've got, I, I've, I fought through that. But it's only in the last couple of years. Like, even three years ago, if I was a uh, tour of California and they wanted me to host a, a press conference, I couldn't do that. 
uh, I can announce all day long. That's not a problem. But the moment that you're standing at the podium and everybody in the room is looking at you and there's no content except for what you're going to present, uh, that, because the thing about bike racing is the, the, the racers are the show. They're, they're the ones doing everything, and you're talking about it, but they make it easy. But when you have to stand there and just talk to a group of people, uh, that, that, that's hard. Uh, it's really hard. So it, I don't know what happened Like I, in the last couple of years. I don't know if it was confidence or uh, the repetition of doing it more and more, but finally I'm, I'm okay with that. But when I first started announcing, I literally, uh, it's an auto show. There's five people there. I'm not kidding, George. Five people. Uh, Mark McCormick uh, is the athlete on the, on the podium stage thing, and I vapor locked. I literally couldn't talk. Because my body, I was having a panic attack, I guess. I mean, looking back on it, you know, I was so nervous that my body uh, uh, shut down on me. But, but the thing for me then was I wanted it so bad. Like, I just really wanted to do it. And I, I said, you, you've got to buck up. You've just got to figure out how to get through this. You know, whatever it takes. Like, this is your shot, man. You get, you're going to get one of these. Because <laughs> you've actually turned this into a very real career. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, when I started, there was only, yeah. I mean, uh, there's there was a guy named Jeff Roke uh, who's still with us, but Jeff has had a couple of strokes, and he was the big time bike race announcer in America when I started, and I started working with him, uh, or you know, or we would announce together, and then there's Brad has come along uh -huh. and Brad is fantastic and really really talented and is a great colleague. Uh, and so, uh, and but I think that myself and Brad, there's another guy named Rich Freeze, um, but Rich has done a lot of other uh, non-announcing stuff. Brad and I, I think, are the only two people that could really honestly say, like, if you went and took a look at our taxes, like, I don't make any other money outside of announcing. I haven't for 15 years now. That's it. So that means that I have to stay on my game and, you know, chase uh, chase a lot of events and you know uh, it's tough it's not easy now I do have to rib you just a little okay I'm ready because we were a man <laughs> why were you not allowed into Canada Dave? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't no, know any right. other way to put that nope. <laughs> so uh... Dave was going to go announce the tour of Alberta lucky for us he is at the Indian Peaks Classic which and I, I did do the tour of Alberta last year uh, and it's a fantastic event. The problem for me lies in uh, immigration uh, at the border. Wasn't believing uh, my story about what I was doing there. Canada is... You're kidding me. Well, it, it, it comes down to work visa issues. Uh, and the, what, here's, the, here's the real... Uh, look, if I could give a tip to anyone who's traveling to Canada, don't start lying. If you start with the immigration border people with a lie, there's no way to work back out of that. Um, and you get one lie with them. Uh, and, you know, that, that's pretty much it. Wow. They, I mean, Canada is way tougher to travel into than most people would think. Uh, I've, because of my experience this week, I have heard multiple others talking about their Canada moment. So. Really? Yeah. Well, and you know, I mean, if you look at it, uh, good for them. Uh, they take their border seriously. So, you know, yeah. 
Unfortunately, I really wish I was at the tour of Inferno. <laughs> that's, that's my bad. So let's get to the Indian Peaks. Uh, we are going to talk about quite a few other things. But um, Dude, something how that, insane was that this morning? That is what I just... It's amazing to me. People rolling up. You know them. They're in their bike kit. And, I mean, what do you hear? Uh, you know, I met so-and-so. I just don't recognize them when they're right. in their bike clothes or whatever. You know, you know, it's funny, like, so George, uh, it's the classic uh, party thing where uh, you're, you're standing around and you're like, I don't know who these people are. You know, like, we're all at this thing, uh, but uh, I don't really know who they are. And then you, you, you hear later, you're like, you're kidding. So that guy I was standing next to was a three-time Olympian, uh, like Steven. You know, uh, that, that guy went to three uh, Winter Olympics, and I stood next to him like a jerk. I didn't even know who he was, you know. So, Simon. Yeah, right. Well, I mean, I'm okay because yeah, 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 right. No, no. Yeah, yeah. But that's the kind of thing that I want to make it less awkward. Like, or if there's one guy who's really loud uh, and uh, uh, seems to be really self-assured, uh, who can help us figure out who everybody else is, then I'm happy to be that guy. I like it, you know, like. I, I like uh, just seeing, we were talking about it earlier, but just seeing someone's eyes light up because they realize like, oh, that's cool. That person has done some really neat stuff and they're standing there and I can take my six-year-old daughter up and introduce her to Evie Stevens. And I bet you that daughter will remember that for a long time. Yeah, I'm standing there with my camera taking pictures as the riders are rolling off and listening to you and I'm just going, what? Who's in that group? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> See, and that's a part of it, too, is that you... I was, I was talking about this last night, in that you got to keep showing up in life. Um, uh, you can't stay home and surf the web and realize what Rowan Dennis looks like. You know, because those, those are pictures. Until you're standing there 10 feet away from him, that's when you realize what he looks like. You're like, oh, he's a lot taller than I thought. Or, man, uh, he's, you know, whatever it is. You know, like, God, look at those shoes. Whatever it is. You know, you're, but you don't get that by staying home. You can sit on your ass all day uh, and read all day, but you're not having an experience. And that's what cycling and sport is about, is creating an, an experience for people. You can't do that sitting at home. I'm just saying. What is it about bike racing that you love so much? It's really not racing because you have the same enthusiasm here at a Grand Fondo. What is it about bike riding that you like so much? Well, you know, I think like to, to go to the original core of it, I just like bikes. I think the bicycle, you know, I'm sure you've read the H.G. Wells quote about uh, every time I see an adult riding a bike, it gives me hope for humanity, right? Yes. That kind of thing. Well, bicycles have always represented, I mean, if you went back and looked at what I was doing when I was 12, I was drawing pictures of bikes, you know? Uh, Italia Velosport, uh, they, they knew me personally. Because I was, uh, you know, ordering a Silka pump head or something every week. Uh, the, the entire goal of getting money in my life was to turn it into bike parts. That's what I, that was my thing, my jam. Uh, so I've always, always loved the bike. And then I think that that is, everything else builds off of that. 
because uh, the people, not everybody who rides a bike I like. Um, uh, that's impossible. But I worked in bike shops. Uh, I've been a part of the cycling culture. So you're right, it's not racing. It's way bigger than that. And, uh, but the racing is the high end. Right. Yep. But it, I mean, that really came through to me just today, seeing you bantering with the people that were coming up to start. I mean, you have, you're so at ease with, with everyone, it seems. Uh, and it, it really caught me off guard to hear you say that uh, at one point in your life, you were very shy. Yeah, I mean, still am. You know, outside of this safe community, I'm still shy. You know, I don't walk up to people that I don't know and talk to them. Only if there's a bike, you know, because that's the connector. That's the thing, because I guess that's where... I've never thought about this, George, but that is what the bicycle is like, that, uh, uh, that, that thing in the corner of the room that makes everybody feel safe. Because we all know that that's uh, something we care about. We all love bikes, in our family, anyways. So I'm, I'm actually, I've never thought about it that way, but the bicycle saved my life. Interesting. And I still ride. I mean, I realize that I put on a lot of weight, and I, but I, I ride my bike every day. You do? Oh, absolutely. There's no, uh, it's how I get around. I, you know, I, my bike is my favorite thing, so. I thought, really, just seeing the greatest compliment that you could get was seeing how much the racers that are here genuinely like you. It's I like hope so. they know you. Yeah, yeah, right. Well, I think it's familiar for them, too. You know, that, it, and also, if you think about their situation, like, racing is so hard, you're so exposed, all, you know, only one guy out of the 120 is going to win today. Uh, yeah, you got a lot of risk of crashing or embarrassing yourself or even worse, getting dropped, right? I mean, you're not good enough. And everybody's going to see that. Uh, your peer group knows that you got dropped out of the front group. So those guys are under a lot of pressure. Uh, and I think that having someone that, and I think part of it goes back to as well through 15 years of uh, not throwing people under the bus with uh, interview questions about doping or, or, or making it hard for them or awkward again, you know. One thing Dave Toll might not be the smartest guy ever, but he's pretty nice, you know. At the end of the day, he's pretty nice. What? I talk about myself in the third person now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I can't do that. <laughs> George Thomas asks yeah, yeah. Dave Toll. Yeah. <laughs> George is hungry. So what was kind of your first break, for lack of a better word, as far as announcing? I mean, you've really worked hard uh, and built your career. So I hate to say a break, but... I'm no, no, there's a break. It. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, so there's really, it's a twofold thing. Uh, the Saturn Cycling Classic, which was the Boulder to Breck race that took place uh, in 2001, two, that, right in that era. It was a three-year run. I wasn't announcing that race, but I was doing my Saturn Cyberbike thing at it. And then when the regular announcer was unable to uh, make the finish, they, I was the next best choice from the crowd. Yep, and so and that was so that was Chris Weary one, and uh, well, where I grew up in Boulder, Chris also grew up, and his father had passed away of uh, uh, cancer, leukemia, um, uh, that week, 
that that Tuesday, Chris's dad passed, and the race was on Saturday. And so I knew the story. Um, I know the Wearies. I actually, you know, spent Thanksgiving at the Wearies house for every year for ten years. So intimately familiar. So he, uh, uh, Chris, is not only in the race; he's actually winning it. And at that moment, I'm announcing. And uh, I had no idea what I was doing. So just lucky to be there. But when I saw Chris's mom and sister, Kathy, as I asked them. Uh, is it okay if I tell the real story today of what Chris is going through? It makes me emotional now. Um, and uh, they said, yeah, that uh, not only did they, that was okay, but they really wanted that. Like, this would be great, because uh, all of the wearies were there, and they, you know, obviously, the, the really tough week. Uh, so, yeah, you know, I had license to tell the story. And then I told the story it's pretty awesome when you think back because there's probably 5,000 people. It was basically the same crowd as we had at US Expo Challenge in Breck. So, pretty big crowd. That's that's legit. Yeah. So, telling them that story and then, you know, Chris wins the race. It's 142 miles, 14,500 feet of climbing uh, in that 142 miles. Uh, they're racing above 10,000 feet for two and a half hours. Probably the hardest one-day bike race in the world. Uh, harder than Perry Roubaix uh, because of you know these factors, right? Uh, and Chris won, comes across the line with his father's wedding ring on a chain around his neck, with his brother waving a finish flag, almost crashes into his brother, uh, and I've never been in a a group setting where there were that many people openly crying, you know, like literally there's grown men standing there who are just like fuck it. I'm crying. This is too much. This is too much. So the, basically the entire crowd had a, that moment. And as an announcer, I'm just, I, I couldn't imagine the power that you have to, to tell the story. Because if they hadn't heard that story, they're just going to a bike race and hanging out at the fencing and getting an ice cream cone and going home. But the story changed the day for everybody there. So that was my that was my uh, my moment. Um, you know, it, it, the next part of it was how do you turn this into a living? Do you really want to do it? And then Tour de Georgia in 2003, I basically like the classic. Oh, it's so hard in any any talent driven thing, but you know, you you work for free to to get the job, and then you figure out how you're gonna you know convince them to pay you later. You know, so, but getting that tour to Georgia experience was huge because that also includes the Lance Armstrong element of things now. Right. And that, uh, you know, uh, let's not lie here. You know, Lance helped all of us uh, make a living in cycling. Absolutely. Yep. I'll never, I'll never forget that. You know, uh, I, without what Lance did, I, I clearly would not be doing this now. I mean, I just wouldn't be. So. What's one of your most memorable moments? And I know that's a ridiculous question because you've got thousands. But is there, I mean, yeah, well, no, the story a, you told about Chris Weary has got to well, be. Yeah, top, and Weary, though, Weary's different in that he's a, he's a friend. Mm -hmm. So that's a he's a normal person for me. But I definitely had, if you go back and look on YouTube, uh, there was a, a show called The Lance Chronicles. 
and it was a half hour OLN, which became NBC Sports. We're doing, uh, you know, they were cash grab, trying to make a lot of money off Lance. And uh, it was basically, though, a reality TV show that, you know, cameras would follow Lance around. Uh -huh. And so when they came to do Tour de Georgia, it wasn't Lance as much, um, but there was a Mario Cipollini moment where he was such a big star. And, I, you know, I was, uh, I, you know, I can honestly say, like, I've, I've had dinner with Patrick Dempsey. I've been around people uh -huh. like that now. I've Robin Williams. Like, I've been to Robin Williams' house. You yeah. have. Yeah. But, uh, so being starstruck changes for you, but there is that moment uh, when you were, and Cipollini was definitely, one, I don't even like Mario Cipollini. Like, uh, I don't, I'm not, I don't have a lot of respect for him, you know, like, it's okay, he's all right, but the star power that he had was so insane at that point. Um, like, I've never seen anything like it. I I would even say, like, with, with Lance or Patrick, there's a level, but something about what uh, Cipollini was doing with being the Italian guy and all of that, pretty incredible. Dave Toll, this has just been so fun for me to sit here and visit with you, and all it's doing is making me want to ask a whole lot more <laughs> That's questions. That's right, George. But <laughs> we're out of time. <laughs> I think it's better to leave them wanting more, right? Okay, deal. <laughs> hey, I really appreciate all you're doing, George. Thanks. Thank you. Much appreciated. Dave Toll on Athlete Diaries Over the Top Cycling. Again, we are at the Indian Peaks Classic, Nederland, Colorado. ACAST powers some of the world's best podcasts. Here's a show we recommend. I'm Ned Fulmer. I'm Ariel. We're from the Try Guys, and we have a new podcast called Baby Steps. It's an irreverent parenting podcast because parenting is not perfect. We just had a newborn, baby Finn. I got pooped on. Ariel has pink eye. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> we talk to some experts. We even bring you 4 a.m. thoughts from our garden. Oh my gosh, it's literally 4 a.m. Just to <laughs> go back here, I thought I got poop in my eye. Yeah. And that causes pink eye. Parenting is a mess. We're a mess. You're a mess. Join us every Sunday. Listen to Baby Steps on ACAST or wherever you get your podcasts. ACAST, 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 ACAST recommends. recommends.